Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our one of two. And the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so using the supreme law of the land, the Constitution of the United States of America, to use the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founders, and to reject revolution and stand for peaceful restoration on a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled fantastic friday welcome to the broadcast ladies and gentlemen and man have we got a lot going on to discuss that's for sure i want to quickly cover some of the things we talked about yesterday with um brian rust and kelly finnegan we talked about the honest money report we talked about kevin mccarthy's spid or bid keeps being blocked shame on kevin for being such a thug and trying to hang on to power no matter what he claims it's not about him, but it is certainly. Speaker vote gets crazy after alcohol accusation. They say there was alcohol and blankets and popcorn on the Democratic side. They're pointing to a dysfunctional uh, reality. I don't see it that way. We'll get into that as the broadcast continues. Biden with McConnell. What a shame on both of them. Promoting compromises as the GOP is rocked, they claim. U.S. economy enters recession. Inflation continues, stagflation returns, unemployment hitting new highs, and we're just getting started. Big Mac prices, believe it or not, they now have a Big Mac index, if you will. It's kind of a uh, economic viewpoint about a Big Mac. They're comparing Big Macs to the price of gold, and boy, do they strangely uh, relate, interestingly, that the dollar fails in Big Macs and gold hold their value. It's kind of an interesting comparison. The average Big Mac in America costs $3.99. If you make it a value meal, it'll set you back $5.99. There are over 550 Big Macs sold in the U.S. each year. I don't know if you knew that, folks. 550 million just in the U.S. When the Big Mac was first made in 1967, the year I was born, a Big Mac cost only 45 cents. Amazon's going to eliminate 18,000 plus corporate and technology jobs so much for tech is going to save us huh yeah they say it's only six percent of their workforce and don't worry hourly wage earners will not be laid off salesforce plans to lay off like ten thousand plus people twenty-eight thousand people without jobs now that's families by the way depending on those incomes millions of americans are now choosing not to work because they get more from welfare than they do from their paycheck Paycheck, the Epic Times reports. Last year, sales of new cars and trucks fell because they couldn't make enough cars because they couldn't get the chips. But now they can make enough cars. But the problem is showrooms are going to be empty continually because of inflation and out-of-control interest rates due to the manipulations of the bogus, unconstitutional Federal Reserve. That was hour one. Hour two, we continued with Mary Toko, well-known vaccine expert. MaryToko.com is her website. But we talked about a variety of things. We talked about a majority of Americans believe that America is literally going to be a challenging year. They pointed to a lot of things. They pointed to the economic difficulties, political divide, chronic crime, international discord, uh, as many issues facing the country. 
What are they hiding? January 6th committee seals all important videos and documents for 50 years, ladies and gentlemen. That's so the deep state can cover up their involvement in the criminal activity on January 6th and dishonestly blame it on the conservatives. Governor Ron DeSantis uses Bible of the Revolution on loan from Glenn Beck for a swearing-in ceremony. And some people could say that's a political stunt. I would say, hey, I look at, you know, when you, when you, when you swear on the Bible, that's good. And using a historic Bible ups the ante before God and witnesses, if you will. $1.7 trillion spending bill, loaded with waste. And believe it or not, 27 Republicans voted for it and sold us down the river, folks. FDA finalizes rule change, now allowing pharmacies to sell murder pills, abortion murder drugs. CVS and Walgreens are both planning to become centers of death by selling the abortion pill. And they've even now forced the USPS to be involved in abortions. The Department of Justice will now allow the U.S. Postal Service, USPS, to continue shipping abortion pills even to jurisdictions that have outlawed them. The DOJ determined that, hey, it's not against the law for the feds. Well, shame on them because you know what, ladies and gentlemen, over a dozen states ban most abortions and over 18 states ban the dispensation of abortion pills via mail. So the government doesn't care about the law anymore in the several states. America's starting to absolutely break down due to the immorality of the people. Throughout 2022, teacher unions have turned their attentions to promoting all kind of perversions. Uh, they promoted the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, the critical race issue, the NEA, and the other huge teachers union. Uh, what's it called? AFT, they spent a combined over $100 million on these, quote, political activities, ladies and gentlemen. It's a disgrace. Get your kids out of the government schools now. And that's a wrap of the two-hour hard-hitting news the networks refused to use broadcast (laughs) yesterday. News the networks refused to use starts today. Ballot number, question mark. (laughs) <laughs> the ballot number keeps ratcheting up, and everybody's telling, whacked out McCarthy, no, 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 and we mean no. House is paralyzed. The speaker election, uh, if you will, becomes the longest it's taken since 1859. What does it all mean? Yeah, Matt Getz gets Donald Trump on the ballot. He votes all by himself, I guess. Uh, Here's the sound clip of what it sounded like as he spoke in defense of the Donald. For what purpose does the gentleman from Florida rise? To place a name and nomination for the position of Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. My friends, when Donald Trump was president, taxes were cut. Regulations were slashed, energy was abundant, wages were rising, capital was returning from overseas to fund the dreams and ambitions of our fellow Americans, and the economy was roaring. What a contrast to what we have seen from this administration now. And so I rise to nominate Donald Trump for the position of Speaker of the House. And for all of the vitriol that we hear from the media and at times the left, there were great moments of bipartisanship 
under the Trump presidency. And the Democrat nominee for speaker knows that well because he led valiantly on the efforts for criminal justice reform, and I was honored to join him. And I know no matter who's sitting in that speaker chair, we got a lot of work to do on that very issue. We took a first step, but there is a second step and a third step to take. And I'm glad that we were able to work with President Trump, with Republicans, and with Democrats to provide real outcomes for Americans to create greater prosperity and more opportunity. I also care deeply about President Trump's focus on our nation's veterans. It seemed for far too long on the campaign trail, veterans were disregarded, forgotten about. When we would get elected to office, their issues would not always rise and get center stage, but we were able to pass veterans' uh, accountability measures. We were able to actually get people fired at the VA who weren't doing their job. What a great thing that would be to extend and continue and to continue to nourish. President Trump oriented our views on trade so that we actually put the American people first, not foreign interests abroad or special interests here at home. President Trump knew that we had to confront China, that China had already engaged in a trade war against us, but it was a war that we were surrendering, and so we started to fight back. He stood with our farmers. And on foreign policy, we stopped trying to find a new Jefferson, Jeffersonian democracy to build out of sand and blood and Arab militias in the Middle East. Matter of fact, President Trump, I believe, is the first president in my lifetime that didn't start any new wars. This is an issue that I know unites some elements of the right and left for the benefit of our communities. Will the House be in order? This government for far too long has been deeply corrupt. This town has been deeply corrupt. The way people get leadership positions and chairmanships and opportunities to be able to morally preen has been by accepting lobbyist and special interest money and redistributing that money as currency for favors. And that is not a criticism of, of either political party. It is a criticism of what we have allowed to happen in this place. And if we just go next man up on our side of the aisle, we will reify that corrupt system and we will abandon the people who are expecting us to fight for them. I have heard from my colleagues about all the important work we have to do, and it is my sincere fear that if we were to allow Mr. McCarthy to assume the speakership, that would not get done. That it would be business as usual and the very same things that have paralyzed progress for both parties would continue to shackle us to never-ending failure. We can be better than that. We can raise our gaze indeed. There have you to restore have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dr. Scott Bradley, <laughs> some are saying that government's broken. Others are saying this is exactly what needs to happen. I'm in the this is what needs to happen camp because I don't believe in partisan politics in the first place. Welcome to the broadcast. What do you say, doctor? Well, it's uh, I think that it should have been broken before they did the 1.7. It's been broken before, right? But what should have happened is that the 1.7 trillion dollar boondoggle should not have been passed by a lame duck session. Um, McConnell should have stopped it in the Senate, and uh, they should have said, let's get this program underway after we've got a new House and Senate that's uh, going to have to live with what they vote for. And so those people bailing on it and going home couldn't have taken home their billions of dollars that they did uh, 
unconstitutionally. All of that, I think, should have happened then. But nevertheless, we are where we are. <clears throat> the Democrats are making a heyday out of this delay, as has been pointed out. The last time you had to go to more than one ballot was 1923, 100 years ago. Uh, they they took nine ballots to get the, the new Speaker of the House. Uh, clear back in 1859, which was, you know, this was the last one before the things started really unraveling, where the state started withdrawing and everything like that in the 1960, excuse me, 1861. But in 1859, it took 44 ballots to get a new speaker. Uh, amazingly, four years before that, it took 133 ballots. And just as a context, here's 1849 was 63 ballots. So it's not unheard of to take a number of ballots to get this done. It was far more prevalent. And let's be clear, it's not like it's now more broken than it was before, if we're going to claim it's broken in the first place at all. I think it really does well because it jettisons this party idea and says we need a good person based on their history and their track record and their morality and their integrity and all these things to be the speaker. Hopefully that's what we end up with. I don't believe it'll be the case in modern day because I don't believe we have more people to even put up unless they start putting no names like Sam Bushman or Scott Bradley up there. <laughs> I, I, I don't really see anybody uh, honorable to be there. But th the point is still well taken that we've got to break this partisan divide. Well, absolutely correct. Uh, here's a, a couple of two or three things uh, your listeners need to probably be aware of. First of all, the House of Representatives, as a legislative body, does not really exist right now. I know, I know, there's people in it. But when they went out of business at the end of the last um, Congress, they, they you know, pounded the gavel, and all those people ceased to be congressmen or women. And so the new people haven't been sworn in yet, okay? And because there has not been a swearing in, some people in the staff and even in the in the House are starting to say, well, we're probably not going to get paid. And, you know, they'll be all this, oh, ain't it awful, and they'll do a back pay thing kind of, I'm sure, when they end up getting it done. But since they haven't been sworn in, there's um, there's been nobody that's got their security clearance, so they can't do any of these which means, uh, security Which means briefings. Kevin McCarthy, who's set up in the Speaker's office, should be put in prison as a criminal. If you're going to tell yeah, everybody else who went on January 6th, they can't even go into the Capitol. And this guy goes into the Capitol and literally commandeers and squats in the Speaker's house. He should be hauled off to prison, sir. Well, he is, if they're get, I mean, you know, good for the goose, good for the gander. He is a squatter. He is not the Speaker. And uh, I, I think right now, I mean, there's so many things going on. First of all, uh, people say, oh, my goodness, they're not ready to take care of an emergency. Well, uh, they're, you know, let's just go back to Jefferson's administration in the Chesapeake affair. There was an act of war against the United States. The Brits were acting up. Everybody wanted to take us to war. The Congress wasn't in session. And everybody says, Thomas, take us to war. No, he says, it isn't my job. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 says it's Congress's job. I'm going to gather information. I'm going to take a defensive position. I'm going to assure that we don't have any further injustice or, or threats done against us. So we'll stand off and we'll make sure I'll get the facts. We'll take it when, when they get back in session and they'll decide. And so the president doesn't have to have a panic-stricken mode. Now, let's just say something is cataclysmic as, a, you know, Pearl Harbor II happens. Um, you know, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident. Well, first of all, we don't need to talk about how that was contrived to begin with. But let's just say something like that did happen and there became a real cataclysmic thing. 
I'm pretty confident there would be a rallying together, a speaker would be elected, there would be adequate time to be able to respond to that. So we are not on the dregs and and, uh, on the cliff ready to end the whole nation because this delay. We've had these before and we'll get through it. In fact, the Jefferson election, you know, his first election, had it took 36 ballots in the House. See, because uh, there were shenanigans that went on uh, that, that ended up with a tie vote with two people from the same party. I mean, you know, Jefferson and Burr were running against uh, uh, Adams and Pickney, I was already called. Anyway, so uh, because of somebody fouled up in the electoral thing, because they'd had a plan, they ended up with a tie vote uh, between Burr and, and uh, Jefferson. And so it went to the House of Representatives. We don't need to review how that works out. But, but the fact of the matter is it took 36 ballots before they decided who the president was. Okay, So it took clear until February 17th, 1801, to, uh, to get the president selected. So we have had delays. This is not something that everybody needs to get a, take a stroke over. Or, These or, delays uh, are okay. In fact, in fact, doctor, they're part of the process. That's oh, what's indeed. unique about America, sir. This idea Everything. that it's not a good old boys network, that it's not a we're royalty or kings, that it's a messy struggle, you know, throw down, whatever, but we're all God's children and we're equal and we're under God, not government, is the whole point here, right? Well, here's, here's the deal. The reason we haven't had a whole bunch of ballots happen since 1923, the last hundred years, They've got a power structure that has seized control completely in the Washington political arena. And so they've got these skids greased pretty well. Up to this point, it was like, next guy up, okay, we do that. And and there's been a little bit of a wrench thrown in. There have been some courageous people that said, this ain't working. Now, I'm I'm telling you, you've got to understand, behind the scenes, McCarthy is putting his arm around people and saying, look, what's it going to take to get your vote? I mean, I've. would you like to be speaker? No, 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 you can't do that. I want that. Okay, how about let's make you chair of uh, some big committee. You tell the committee to me, and I'll, I'll get it done. So they're selling their vote there now. That's the kind of log rolling that's going on. And, uh, and it's You're right about that, but when are people going to realize this is about the party and partisan politics? This is about Kevin McCarthy publicly saying, it's not about me, it's about you. But then we hear him saying, look, I have earned this. I have sat in the good old boy network. I'm next in line. The party owes me this. I Okay, this is what the showdown's about, in my opinion. The criminal activity of parties versus the rule of law and morality in the oath of office. This is a throwdown of epic proportions, but we have got to, as George Washington said, jettison parties, or this will never get any better. Well, this is a step in helping that happen, but I suspect that there's some things behind the scenes. If McCarthy ends in there, we're going to get same old, same old. It's going to be what it has been before. I think you'll see him, if he becomes the speaker, a lot more diplomatic and statesmanlike than Nancy Pelosi ever was. You're not going to see him standing up, tearing up the State of the Union address. Just bravo Sierra like that. Nancy's um, 
mental capacity. I don't know if she's always been this belligerently weird, but uh, I think Carthy, McCarthy would do something less than that. But I still think it's going to be a good old boy network. That's yeah, it's kind of like scene. a George Bush versus a Bill Clinton, or a little bit more dignified, but same as always, right? Right, exactly. But the idea is that that this this idea. Well, let me just read you part of a quote out of the Federalist Fifty One: "Ambition must be made to counteract ambition." Okay, so the interest of the man that, must and be that's exactly with, what's happening right now. By the way, that's right, and so. So McCarthy has this ambitious desire, and there's pushback. Okay, now, uh, people probably understand by now that you don't have to be a member of the House to be Speaker of the House. And, and it is constitutionally feasible for Donald Trump to become the Speaker. And I think there's a lot of wishful thinking going on in people's minds. He got one it vote. It isn't going to okay? happen. It ain't going to happen, but here's the deal on that. Here's what some people are thinking. Okay, so you got the President of the United States. Let's say he guy dies or gets removed by the 25th Amendment or whatever. Or he gets removed by um, uh, some kind of impeachment action, which I believe is totally in order. And let's say Kamala Harris Without is removed question. also. Okay, so we move, remove uh, Biden and remove uh, Kamala. Next one up is the Speaker of the House. So this person is a couple of heartbeats away from being the uh, President of the United States if things really unravel in the executive branch. So that's the way it's set up politically to happen. That's been, you know, legislatively created according to the amendments that allow this. But at any rate, so some people are saying, wow, 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 we could have Donald Trump in there for two years. Well, the he would be precluded from running again in 2024 if that were the case, okay? So, uh, so hold there's, on. there's if he becomes issues. Speaker of the House, he will be precluded from running again no 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 no. only if he's president only if he's president let's say they had an immediate impeachment right so so understand that if he becomes speaker of the house and then he became president through that channel then and i'm just saying this to clarify doctor then he wouldn't be able to run again in 24 well there uh, let's go to the amendment and just just kind of help this understand now that i kind of muddied the water that's what we're doing but they, here's what Amendment 23 says. No president, no, excuse me, no person shall be elected the officer president more than twice, and no person who has held the officer president or acted as president for more than two years of a term to which another person was elected president shall be elected the officer president more than once. So, uh, this It'd is be precluded. probably, no, in a sense, here it wouldn't be. More than two years. Now, we're already, well, on the 20th of this month will be two years. If they could get him impeached and removed before the 20th of January, which is unlikely, um, then and, and the Trump was the Speaker of the House, and he would, you know, this was before the 20th, and then he got put in, you know, say on the 18th of, of and, you know, this is all something that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, which is unlikely. But if he was there for more than two years, he couldn't run again. But Correct. this thing but for it's, more it, literally, than two it's years. virtually impossible. Even if he got voted in as Speaker of the House, the likelihood of him getting voted in as Speaker of the House, getting everybody in place, uh, then moving to impeach the it ain't current gonna president, and then because you not only got to impeach him, but you got to agree to remove him, right? That's right. So it's it's okay, not going to so happen. It's not possible to happen, really. I mean, I guess literally, if everything aligned perfectly, it's it's li- literally. Uh, in the in the odds category, it's possible. 
it's just not even realistic to even discuss, though, because there's so no way they can move that fast. If he was put in, and even if a year later they impeached and removed, he could he could serve uh, another term. Okay, so anyway, we put that to bed. But go read the 22nd Amendment if you got any questions. 22nd or 3rd? 22nd. Okay, so 23rd is the one that gave Washington, D.C. the the uh, electoral votes. All right, so you had, you said 23rd before. So 22nd Amendment. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, no 22nd. problem. Quick pause. The question is this. What's going to happen? Dr. Bradley in seconds on your radio. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Prime. The National Weather Service is calling for more heavy rain and strong winds along the California coast. Forecasters say a strong series of storms could bring several more inches of rain to the region through the middle of next week. Northern California's coastal mountains could get over four inches starting Friday night, and more rain expected Saturday with high-elevation snow. Democracy continues to play out on Capitol Hill as the Speaker of the House remains unknown. The three days, 11 votes without a winner has not occurred in the last 100 years. Voting continues today. The National Football League has canceled the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals where player DeMar Hamlin was injured. Let's get an update on DeMar's health. The head coach of the Buffalo Bills is applauding the national outpouring of support shown to safety DeMar Hamlin, who remains hospitalized in Cincinnati. Sean McDermott spoke publicly Thursday for the first time since Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest during Monday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. It's amazing to, to know the impact that this has had on um, so many of so many people. And for now, DeMar to be awake and <clears throat> his mom to be able to share that with him is it's incredible. McDermott pointed to Hamlin's toy drive charity, which has now raised more than $7.6 million. The coach added the recent news regarding Hamlin's progress has been very encouraging. Doctors say Hamlin's neurological functions remain intact, and he's beginning to awaken. I'm Hulu Flores. The disturbing story out of Utah on Thursday, where eight family members were found dead in their home, is the result of a murder-suicide. Enoch, Utah police said 42-year-old Michael Haight killed seven family members before taking his own life. Enoch, Utah is about an hour's drive north on I-15 from St. George. January 6th is Three Kings Day and marks the glorification of baby Jesus by the three wise men. This is USA News. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money. Mike Campbell here, serial entrepreneur. Let's make sure your current payroll provider isn't overcharging you, shall we? First, go to your payroll provider's website to see what you're currently paying. Oh, what's that? You can't clearly see your pricing because your vendor is running a temporary sale or making you call for a free quote? <laughs> That's unfortunate. If you go to PatriotSoftware.com, you will instantly see our payroll pricing for companies with 1 to 100 employees. Well, there you go. At least now you know what you should be paying for payroll. Go to PatriotSoftware.com. Use promo code RADIO and get two months of payroll processing free. That's PatriotSoftware.com. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money.
All right, what's going to happen with the House continuing to vote? They're on what, vote 12 now or something crazy like that, ladies and gentlemen. But what's going to happen is the question. Now, before we get to the answer from Dr. Scott Bradley, who's with me now, there's no viable alternative that has risen, really. It's part of the problem with this thing. Um, you know, who's going to be? Donald Trump got, what, one vote? Now, I don't know if that was on purpose. There might be a behind-the-scenes effort to have McCarthy, um, you know, go down in flames, but for one person to intentionally vote for Donald Trump to get his name in front of everybody, uh, and then uh, as we go round and round and round again to kind of go in the back rooms and say, hey, what real sport do we have for Donald? It might be that he gets one vote in the beginning as kind of a, a weather trial balloon, and then they push for more, but there's several Republicans that may be in striking distance of this. I'm not for the partisan politics of any of this. I think the Republican and Democratic parties are criminal, Again, how do we have these party deals? How do the party decide who's going to be Speaker of the House uh, when it can be anybody inside or outside of the House? It shouldn't even be a Republican discussion or a Democrat discussion, but it is. Now, during the first two votes of the GOP Speaker rounds, if you will, what is it, Byron Donalds uh, of Florida um, was put up. Now, some were then talking about Jim Jordan. Okay. He might have more support than others. Now, members by the way, opposing Jordan, McC- Go ahead. By the way, Jordan was the one that nominated Kevin McCarthy. Yes, I mean, shame on so, Jordan for doing so. Well, yeah, but the thing is that people are saying, no, let's vote for this other guy. But he he was playing the game. So Yeah, and, and a guy that would vote for McCarthy is not a guy worth our vote, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. That is the problem that you must understand. Because if he's really going to have that lax in judgment in the first place, what else will he play the game and have lax in judgment for? So beware, in my opinion, of a Jordan. Now, the problem is, I don't really know who you could really have, right? I don't know who really could be viable. I don't know who we really could consider because I don't really believe that there are any good names being proposed, whether it's Donald's or some are saying this Akeem Jeffrey or whatever, this whatever, another contender, Steve Scalise. Well, he's a Democrat. None of these people. Yeah, Jeffries is a Democrat. He got, he's got 212 votes uh, solid because all the Democrats yeah. are behind right. him. He's and got more votes than anybody at this point. You need and this is the point about the partisan manipulation because the Democrats now are trying to literally take over the House. One thing is to, to nominate your speaker. Another is how or if you're able to even govern uh, in a scenario like that. And if the Democrats get their guy in there to be speaker of the House, they will literally govern even if they don't have the, quote, 218 majority. Now, no one's got 218 thus far, but I don't think we've put up any real names. Uh, They say Steve Scalise might be a name guy, but you know what? He's going to do the vote to go along, to get along. Same with everybody else. Donald Trump pushed for McCarthy. Uh, I've had internal friends of mine say they ought to just let McCarthy win. I don't think so, doctor. I don't think so at all. He won't be able to govern even even if McCarthy does win by hook or by crook. He won't be able to govern. He'll just be hated by everybody. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I I have as much distaste for this as you do, probably. But I'll make a, a prediction. I, I think either Scalise will get the job. He's right now. He's the number two Republican in the House. Well, at least he was in the in the previous uh, Congress. He was the minority whip, is what they called him. So, and Scalise has some uh, what I'll call a Tom Hanks aura about him. Tom Hanks always picks movies where he could be this sympathetic 
hero, if you will. And Scalise was was gunned down by that crazy Bernie Sanders yeah, the baseball uh, diamond Democrat or whatever. at the baseball diamond scene. So Scalise was severely wounded at that time, pulled through by the skin of his teeth, kind of, and good surgeons. But at any rate, Scalise has some of that sympathetic aura about him. He's been the number two Republican in the House. He's he was the minority minority whip during the last Congress. So he does have some notoriety, if you will, in terms of the the people have worked with him. Okay, so he he is somebody that could possibly sort out on this thing. So I'll I'll say it was terrible as this is, I, I try to be pragmatic about these things, about what will probably happen. Either McCarthy will be elected after concessions are made wherein he buys his office by giving people, hey, let's make you chair of this committee or whatever. What's a plum job for you or whatever? He'll, he'll play those roles. And, uh, and, and so he'll probably buy votes that way. And if he can't get them, well, maybe they'll go to plan B, which is maybe Scalise. I'm not saying Scalise is going to be any better than either of them, but then he would be. But, yeah, he'd be the next up in line. But here's the deal. Well, at least if you're going by their normal seniority. Kind yeah, of if you're going point. by their pecking order. Right. Okay. So, but, but here's, sometimes things are incremental. And, and let's just take the Constitution, for example. The, constant, the, the overwhelming people, majority of people in the convention wanted to get rid of slavery. But if they did, they would not have been able to get rid of slavery because Georgia and South Carolina would not have ratified it. Georgia and South Carolina may have done something as radical as saying, we ain't going to come with you guys. We're not going to become in the nation. And so, we're, you know, so if, they had ratif- if they had written into the Constitution to get rid of slavery, Georgia and South Carolina would have been automatically out. Okay, so they would have been out of the country. They may have still to this day had slavery because of their opinions at that state. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and we don't have time or maybe the interest to go into that. But what they needed to do first was get the Constitution in place. And then, under Article 1, Section 9, they could begin the, begin the process. And by the way, Federalist 42 is very strongly uh, states this they could begin the process of getting rid of slavery. They had to have the Constitution first. They had to have everybody in. Another example would be with the Bill of Rights. We had to get the Constitution, then we could get the Bill of Rights. But if you killed it, didn't do anything, okay. So where's the analogy? If if there could be some traction, inroads made, whatever, on correcting the abominable process that we currently have, maybe this thing can ultimately come together. I mean, I don't know if it's going to take 133 ballots to come to that conclusion. Sooner or later, I think that uh, Kevin yeah, McCarthy is going to... the question becomes who we put on there. I hope for an outsider, but don't have a lot of confidence. Now, believe it or not, Rep-elect Elise Stefanik, Republican of New York, I guess is what they say, third in line, but she's a potential... But she hasn't even been put on the ballot yet. However, she's backed McCarthy in every single vote. So, yeah. again, she's served as chair of the House Republican Conference since 2021 when she replaced Liz Cheney. All right. So, you know, she's been around. You got Jim Jordan. I just look at this. I don't think any, in my opinion, I don't see anybody they're putting up that would even make anything better though really well that's because you got a bunch of bad apples in the barrel 
I mean, that's what's happened. That we, the people, are the ones that are really at fault for this. But here's the deal. I mean, Kevin McCarthy's a Californian. I mean, uh, be, kind of bear with me a little bit, people. California is known for putting good, solid, principled people in office. Huh? And this <laughs> other gal you just mentioned up is from New York. New York. Huh? huh? You have There's to say to yourself. Brain. I mean, come hey, so on. So here's the we, question. Here's the question, though, for you, Dr. Bradley. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. We can get to that a little bit more in a second. But who would, whose name would you nominate? Let's say that you and I were in Congress. Who would you nominate for Speaker of the House? Oh, man, that's a good one. Because we're 12 uh, ballots in. you gotta, you got to nominate somebody to try to break this thing, right? Right, Dr. Well, right, do. Congressman? I, I yeah. I kind of do think it's going to take the spin I've already said. I think that they're going to get some concessions ultimately that we'll have some of the, the good old boys club get put in there again. I mean, I yeah. as much as I find it distasteful, I mean, you know, you could say, you know, Judge Roy Moore. I mean, you know, I mean, that's a name that somebody that's a butt kicker and, and wants to, to return to some and tell the truth. Why not Roy Moore? See, how do we call Matt Gates or how do we call – uh, you know, some of these people to, to you know, say, hey, put this, start to nominate. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, as far you know, as I understand, is, Donald's calling all these guys, and these guys are calling the Donald, he, and everybody's reaching around the twist arms. And But shouldn't we, the people, be able to call somebody? Who can look, I call? People none, of my, none of my representatives in my state have voted for anybody but McCarthy, from what I understand. No, that's correct. And So what does that deal. mean? What do I do? Who would you nominate out of any of our contingency out of Utah? Who would you nominate anybody that's in the legislature in Utah? Well, first off, I would, would never, I would never want to nominate somebody who's already in the House. And let me explain kind of why. I personally believe that uh, you're giving them conflicting roles if you make a member of the House a Speaker of the House. And I personally believe it's a compromised position uh, and it's a conflict of interest. Uh, and so I would never vote for somebody to be Speaker of the House that is in the House. We need an outside person that can look at that job as a nonpartisan. I don't mean bipartisan, I mean nonpartisan discussion. We need to look at that person to say, look, you need to do what's right for the House. They don't need to try to do something in favor of Utah at the expense of any other states or any of those kind of things. And so I personally don't even like a, spe- a member of the House being Speaker of the House at all. Well, I'll give a counterpoint to that maybe when we get up here. All right, we'll talk about it in seconds on your radio. Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an immigrant. 
Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttall as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Live and on your radio, Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com, and yours truly. We're discussing Speaker of the House. Who would we nominate? Who could it be? Dr. Bradley said he would nominate, say, a Roy Moore. Amen to that. Uh, but I kind of have a problem with anybody in the House being Speaker of the House. I kind of think it's a conflict of interest, and I like to see somebody from the outside uh, rather than somebody from the inside with a conflict of interest. They've got their state as their interest. Uh, they've got their whatever, and the Speaker of the House bode well with that. I think at times they're at odds with one another. Uh, but Dr. Bradley has a counterpoint. Doctor? I do, indeed. Uh, I do believe that we can get into real deep doo-doo, so to speak, by taking outsiders. Now, give me, let me just give you a couple of examples here. Let's just say that uh, Henry Kissinger was in his heyday and his, his, uh, you know, his zenith in his power. And, he still uh, is, by the way. Well, I know, but he's almost 100 years old and he's doddering around. But at any rate, um, let's say that they said, hey, we need an outsider. We need a diplomat. We need a statesman. Who more than Henry Kissinger? And they could throw this individual, a globalist. I mean, it could be anybody. I picked him because everybody should be able to see how this would be extremely dangerous to pick somebody that was not picked by the people. The House is the House of the People. Uh, you can read the 39th Federalist Paper about this if you want to learn more about this, or the View of the Constitution by Tucker. Okay, so the, the House was picked by the people. If Henry Kissinger were put in there, and I could name any number of names, and we'll, I'll give you another example, too, in a minute. But uh, so Henry Kissinger gets put in there, okay? He's not eligible to be president if the domino effect thing that we talked about earlier but he could be a placeholder, and he would be a diplomat, and there would be a hoorah by a lot of people. But I think that's very bad. And I think if we start this conception going, the people's house should be, a, a, I believe, a reflection of the voice of the people. Okay, let's take another example out of the house. Let's take when Richard Nixon's uh, vice president resigns. Spiro Agnew had got in a mess back in Maryland where he's from. He resigns. What are we going to do for vice president? Okay, so uh, let's uh, nominate a guy. Okay, this guy out of Michigan, uh, Gerald Ford. Yeah, he's a he's a winner. Of course, he of course after World War II, he ran as a progressive. He couldn't win, so he changed his title to Republican. But he had a progressive environment his whole life. You know, progressive meaning socialist. Okay, so 
Gerald Ford gets selected. Oh, wow, great guy. We put him in as vice president. Okay, was not elected to be that job, but he's in it because of a shenanigan. Who did we put in back of him? A guy by the name of uh, Rockefeller. Wow, globalist himself to the core. Okay, so Gerald Ford's an unelected president with a guy that's never been elected to national office as vice president. If Ford dies, Rockefeller becomes president. Okay, so you can see how some of these things, unintended consequences, this, um, let's connect the dots. Let's look down the road a little bit where we're going with this thing. I think it's important to recognize that the people need to choose who's going in the House. I think it's also important to recognize that we, the people, have a responsibility to judge wisely. If we choose unwisely, we end up with guys like Mitt Romney in the Senate, uh, representing Utah in a globalist perspective that is absolutely untethered from from what you would hope people would have as their principles based. But, but see, if we choose unwisely, if we choose a Kevin McCarthy or a, a John Boehner or a, a Ryan that, you know, these guys have previously held the uh, speaker job, then we get what we get. That's the thing. Elections have consequences. So right now, if someone that was not a part of the House was put in there, I threw out the name Roy Moore, okay, because, like I say, he's a kick-butt kind of guy. But, but he brings all of that baggage in, in that he was not selected. That, by the way, is one of the major reasons that when the, when the first Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, was selected, or, or was the Constitution, they had a, uh, a term limits thing in there. And, and when we got the new Constitution, it didn't have it in there. Why was that? Because the people said, no, no, no. We don't want to have a person eliminated as a possible representative that we want because he's been in office too long. We, why would anybody term limits out a uh, uh, James Madison, for example? Uh, you know, solid, substantial, principled, all that kind of stuff. Why would we want to have him eliminated? The people wanted to be able to check and, and uh, to choose who their representative was. And so I believe that that's part of the Americanist principle that's found in the House. In the Senate, we screwed that up with the 17th Amendment when we started having, we, we quit allowing this, the states to have a seat at the table by having them elected. So we've, we've really fouled that up. I don't think we need to foul up the House of Representatives any more than it already is. Let's reform it within the electoral process and let's fix it there. That's a counterpoint. You can say I'm all wet, I'm crazy. But I just think people need to think down the road, connect the dots, the unintended consequences of things that happen. If you put a yeah. Donald Trump <laughs> in, why not Kissinger <laughs> next time? Well, and I don't think you're all wet on this. I think your caution is very uh, valuable. Uh, your insights worth considering. My response is the founding fathers could have said you can only elect somebody that's already been elected or nominate, whatever you want to say, uh, somebody that's already been elected. They didn't do that. True. Uh, and so as a result of that, I would simply say this. If you get a person that's a representative of the House that becomes the speaker, 
then you've got this compromise, as I told you about, conflict between doing what's right for your state, whatever. You have more power than the – in other words, a congressman has more power than another congressman uh, if they're Speaker of the House and a congressman. They've got more power, more authority, more seniority, more control than another congressman. That's dangerous as well, and you see it with Kevin McCarthy holding the whole show up because of his greed and everything else. Now, if we elect a bunch of people, 435 people to the House – and they then elect a Kissinger, for instance, you know that the American people would give payback like no other for that. Or, well, know. We've, or we've gone so socialist, communist, that we're going to be done anyway. In other words, you, yeah. cannot, you cannot have us vote for our elected people. Uh, in other words, defend a republic style. We elect representatives who then represent us. If they betray us, there needs to be a penalty, which is you're gone. If we don't deliver that penalty at some point, though, then we deserve what we get just as we will if there's um, somebody nominated from the inside that pulls a Kevin McCarthy and holds the whole show up for greedy uh, reality. Uh, What I'm saying is, look, the people have got to be involved, and when they are, if they're moral, good things happen. If they're involved and they're immoral, bad things happen. And if they're not involved, bad things happen, no matter which case we uh, embrace, inside or outside the house, right? Two points to what you're just saying. Number one, we already face that challenge, and I'll, I'll give you an example here in a minute. And we are, we are the people. We need to correct this thing right. Every, I mean, we need to be doing the right things. I'm not saying that Kissinger would be elected now. I'm saying Trump might be, but Trump's an outsider that sets a precedent. But let me just talk about the problem we already have. It's first of all, the the people. There's a there's a, a kind of a train of thought that people say, well, if the founders had wanted to prevent something, they would have specifically said that in there. And Roosevelt, by the way, used this a lot. Hey, look, if I'm not specifically prohibited from doing this, I have the right to do it. And th- that's not it. it. The the statements in the Constitution are positive. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And then the the Ninth and Tenth Amendments say, you can only do what we gave you the power to do. So. Roosevelt was wrong saying if if it doesn't specifically say you can't do this, you can do it. And that's that's a we get in deep trouble. Look at Roosevelt's administration. So we got that problem. But the second issue is we already have the conflict of being able to take our hat off as being one thing like a if you if let's just take before the 17th Amendment, the uh, the senators were appointed by the states. And they came into the office knowing that they, they, they helped represent their state at the table. And so they protected states, if you will. But let's say New England, and, and R.R. Livingston used this argument at a convention, uh, a ratifying convention back when the Constitution was being ratified in New York. Let's say, though, that there's a, a senator from Georgia that was appointed by the Georgian uh, Senate, excuse me, Georgian uh, representatives in, in the legislature. And let's say that England begins driving all of the uh, New England fishermen off of their fishery rights that are, that are within our territorial water. And, and England's Navy is doing that. They're powerful enough to drive all the fishermen away. Well, somebody says we ought to declare war on England for doing that. Well, and if Georgia says, heck no, that's not Georgia's problem. I, phew, I'm not going to vote for that. Uh, that's New England's problem. Let them solve their problem. And so... What happens is they have to wear the the hat at the national level, the statesman level, the diplomat level, as well as representing Georgia. 
So what has to happen is Georgia needs to recognize they, number one, can't recall our senator because he voted to go to war with England because it was the right thing to do for our national uh, interests because they didn't want to do it for Georgia. Okay, See, we already have these kind of conflicts. The people that are in office have to recognize they have taken an oath to uphold the document itself with its limits and bounds, with its constraints, with its powers, and they have to act within all of that. And so right now we have that problem. And, and regardless, if you're a chairman of a committee, and it's the justice or, or some kind of judicial committee or something like that, you've got to look at this picture from a national perspective within the bounds that are established on the Constitution. See, yeah, good point. We're about flat out of time. Your points are we well are. taken. <laughs> it's an interesting debate for sure, and there's pros and cons, no doubt, uh, as we try to go forward. So if you're restricted to members of the House, who do you vote for then? Do you not vote, or do you vote for someone? Okay, I right now I would continue to to uh, be one of those incorrigibles, if you will. So who would you vote I for? I would consider. Uh, I'm not going to vote for any of the people that are up there now. And so, so what I would no? probably no, I'm going to vote no for all along, until <laughs> we can see an incremental <laughs> movement in the right direction. I think this is a domino thing. I don't think you're going to fix it in January of 2023. I think this problem is so endemic to the House right now and the parties. I, I'll go back to your party stuff from the beginning of this hour. I think we have created a leviathan, a monster, that is devouring what should be at the national level. But i am also got to be pragmatic enough to understand we've got to get the Constitution in place before we can go with the Bill of Rights. So we're going to take it. an incremental move. So who do you move. vote for? I'm not going to vote for any of them. I'm going to withhold my vote. Total, complete, completely at this point. And I probably would be, you see, the Republicans have 222 votes. I mean, they yep. have 222 <laughs> Republicans. They need 218 to get the, the speaker in. And they might end up with 221 without me doing anything. But I would All like right. to see incremental movement. But who do you nominate? Anybody? I can't think of anybody in the House right now that is worthy of it. I mean, there's a few people that are soundly founded, but the chances are slim and none that they'd ever be elected. This Matt Gatz guy's pretty sharp guy. but then Is there anybody so, you would vote for if their name came up within the House? I'd have to review some of the people from other states, but nothing comes to mind. How about All you? Right. What happens if everybody votes no? Uh, we, we go they'll just never vote time. yes. Then what happens? They'll change names. They'll change names. They'll do something different. But we need incremental progress. Yeah, well, we'll come back and see if we can talk about this a little bit more next hour because it's an interesting idea. Um, what if we just, we all won't vote? We all, we all vote either no or we say we won't vote at all. Then what? God save the republic. Roads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. Doctor Scott Bradley, FreedomsRisingSun.com, and yours truly on your radio. This is the broadcast for January the sixth, in the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-three. 
And, man, have we got a lot going on. We've got an incredible guest coming up. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, in the meantime, Dr. Bradley and Sam Bushman having a lively discussion about Speaker of the House. What do we expect to happen? I mentioned that I kind of like somebody from outside the House to be elected, which is their current uh, rule allows for all that to be. Uh, that's been the case since the beginning. Dr. Bradley warning of the dangers of picking somebody from outside of their membership, saying, hey, the House is the people's house. Uh, and those who uh, are elected, um, you know what, we need to pick one of them. They're the ones that were elected. There's pros and cons to this debate. I think if they're outside the House, they have less conflict of interest. But as Dr. Bradley wisely uh, warns, hey, what if Henry Kissinger <laughs> got nominated and elected to be the Speaker of the House? It could be very dangerous instead of horrible president. I think that's true. I think that's a great concern. I also think, though, that only somebody from the House, um, well, it's very hard to say, well, the fox is in charge of the hen house. I mean, the people's house. I mean, okay, that the elected person, hey, we've proven those people are all partisan thugs. We can't even name a single person that would be worthy of our vote. So if that happens and we vote no and or we abstain and say we won't vote, what if that happened? What if everybody did that? What if, okay, that's one of the ways you know about the proper role of government. What if everybody did that? What if everybody just said, hey, so now we're just stuck. What do we do next? Go then and change all the House rules so that we can uh, do something else? Or, or what would happen if we won't vote for anybody because nobody's worthy of our, uh, quote, vote? If we're in the House, for instance, and we only elect from the House. Uh, Dr. Bradley, what happens? Well, again, I think that the uh, little news segment just before we came back on the air again, I think is showing some incremental efforts to get this. It appears, based on the report, that... Uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy will probably be elected. We knew he was going to be doing log rolling, slap on the shoulder. He was selling out uh, cha uh, chairmanships and everything like that, well, along with some other things that will be of value, being able to call into question the chairman with one individual saying, I want to call a vote. Uh, I don't think you ought to be the uh, Speaker of the House anymore. Whatever. I think we're making some incremental things happen. It's still messy. It's horrid. But during the break, I was looking through, you know, the New American Freedom Index that uh, talks about constitutional voting. I was going through all of the representatives just for fun. Of, the Freedom Index is a flawed system, in my opinion. It, it's, it's, everything's flawed in mortality. And so uh, there's a lot of things that you can't say you're going to find there perfectly because they only do selected votes and all these kind of things. It, does, it isn't a perfect reflection. But I'm having a horrid time finding constitutionally sound individuals. I, I look at Bob Good, for example, though he's got a score of 96. You look at Louis Gormert, who's got a score of 80. So these are on the top of the stack, if you will, in terms of their principles-based voting. But but still, we've talked about this. Let's take a 75 percenter. And that means that 25% that, uh, of the time, they're voting unconstitutionally. Well, that's a horrid thing. You think of that in their, your fidelity with your spouse. That means one week a month you're going to be unfaithful. If you're a 90 percenter, that means three days a month you're unfaithful in your marriage. So these guys, if you're an 80 percenter, holy cow, you're partway in between that. That's horrid if you're talking about faithful in a marriage. And so what I see now is, is a pretty bad reflection of our ability to choose wisely when we put people in. So what I'm saying is if we kept it in the House, we should pick somebody that's um, towards the top of the stack, if you will. But the fact of the matter is, the facts in the matter are, 
that right now it's broken. We've been stupid Amen for that. so long. We agree anyway, with that. I, so if we if we don't pick somebody because we vote no or abstain from voting all the time for everybody in the House, and there's not a single people from our own quote ranks, elected ranks that we can pick, at some point then we say we got to visit the rules and change the rules. What would we change right. the rules to? In other words, what's the way out of it? Is the point? Well, the way out of it really is to have a, a an American people, we the people that choose I wisely. But I know. And so but right we now, though, get, Sam, we can't get this today. It will not happen. We've got to make the incremental things. I mean, I look at Marjorie Taylor Greene on this Freedom Index. She has a score of 97. 97. So but she's not going to be elected. Right. She's not going to be elected. Do you vote for her? What do you do? What, I, what I'm saying is if we all vote no or abstain, at some point, what do we do? At some point, we've got to pick somebody, don't we? It's not going to happen. Or do we just wait two years till 2024? No, it's not going to happen. There is going to be a compromise. There's going to be a pragmatic view that comes out of it. They are going to elect McCarthy today. And McCarthy has given some ground where he gave where he gave chairmanships away and where he said, okay, okay, I'll give you the, these things that you can now call me into question in the future. We're making an incremental progress, and I think that'll happen. It's messy. It's horrid. But there isn't going to be a soundly founded individual get elected. There just Would isn't. you vote for Green? Marjorie Taylor Greene? Sure, yeah. I'd vote for her. I'd re- I'd vote for Bobert. I'd vote for Gatch probably or or you know, I mean these some of these people just need to start shining to the surface a little bit. I mean, some of this stuff with guys like Bob Good, he's got a score of 96. I mean, again, in America, Good work, I Bob. wouldn't I wouldn't want a 4% wife, though, that's only unfaithful 4% of the time. Yeah, one of the things you got to be a little <laughs> bit fair about with the 4%, 3%, 2% stuff is that oftentimes there's debates about what is constitutional. In other words, the scorecard you're using isn't perfect either. Again, I, I agree with that. In fact, I said that it's a flawed system. And so I don't so believe I, that... I just uh, don't want to say that because someone's 3% that they're really 3% wrong. Or it might be that there's... Uh, compromises and you did the best circumstances that you could. For example, if, if uh, Scott Bradley voted for that 97 percenter, I could say, see, Scott's voting for a cheater. Well, that's right. What we got to what we got to do is back up, though, and say maybe that's not true. Maybe the scorecard's a little bit flawed or maybe the uh, uh, the founders compromised as well. And so we could kind of come back and say, you know, uh, some of the constitutional decisions they made were unconstitutional in getting there. Or what? All I'm saying is that we've we got to be a little bit careful. I agree with the standards, and I agree we need to stick with them. But we need to be careful of using the 100% measuring stick as if it's 100% correct. Or the uh, Sometimes, as you mentioned, things are messy, and sometimes you do things that's, that are the best circumstance of all, given the the circumstance you're in, but they may not be the best solution. But the best solution isn't on the table. In other words, Dr. Bradley said the best solution is to get really uh, the American people should have elected people that are worthy of the speakership. That's all facts. But it doesn't change the fact that after that vote uh, from the people, we are where we are. And if you're an elected official, you've got to vote for somebody. Uh, And if you vote for anybody, then you've kind of compromised because nobody's the 100 percenter we want. See. And so it, it, what I'm what I'm getting at with this whole thing is it's very difficult, folks. The only real answer, as Dr. Bradley wisely pointed out, is this. Let's hold out as long as we can. Let's let's move incrementally to where we want to go. Let's educate and teach and train and elect good people going forward. And there is no great way out of this horrible situation we're in. OK, we're in the, we're on a, on a boat. We're on a plank in the middle of the sea. And you're going to starve to death if you stand on the plank. 
If you jump in the water, you might die. But if you jump in the water, you might actually be able to, I don't know, get saved, get to shore, do something. Uh, what do you do when there's no good answers? And, and off, sometimes the answer is you do the very best you can with what you've got and say, you know what? It isn't perfect. It's far from it's messy, but I've done uh, the best I can. So I would personally vote for a green. And let's see what some of these names come up. I would not vote for a Donald Trump. I would not vote for everybody that's been put up thus far. Uh, anyway, we, we've about worn this out, but I, I want people to understand the answer uh, is really broadly in we the people as a moral religious people electing people who are the worthy of their oath of office, doctor. There's no question. We the people have chosen chosen unwisely for long enough. It's time that we recalibrate our expectations and begin the incremental thing. We didn't get in this problem overnight. It's been many decades. And, That's for uh, sure. People have been stealing elections, I mean, since 1948, at least. I mean, I know it happened before that, too. And we talked just very briefly in the first hour about what happened in the Jefferson first election and some shenanigans that went on there. And ultimately and finally, Aaron Burr gets shot. I mean, no, Aaron Burr shoots Hamilton over the thing. I mean, um, and, and Hamilton really it's was crazy. the one that got, got Jefferson elected because he liked Jefferson better than some of these other people and so i mean it these are i just hope we politics. don't go to those extremes doctor well you know and and uh, we could talk about <laughs> a guy like um well let's go andy jackson he used to shoot duels himself he got shot too but i mean it was rough and tumble but right now it's kind of messy and i think a pragmatic solution to this thing is we can get with incremental progress again i agree this new American Freedom Index is extremely flawed. I have looked at people that, that got 100% and I have to go, huh? Because I know some yeah. things that they did that and are fatally flawed. And they're just doing flawed. their best to. We're trying to use a measuring stick to really get us a handle on it's things. It's an imperfect, and, imperfect measuring stick. Yeah. But but so. a green, though, you know, hasn't even been there very long either. So that's kind of another discussion, nope. too, about it how is. do you compare that to somebody who's been there for a long time. And that's part of the problems with this thing. But look, an FBI agent had to plead guilty to literally destroying evidence to frame a pro-Trump political prisoner. Who are we talking about? Former Arkansas State Senator John Woods. And we had Patty Stockman on talking about this last week. We mentioned they had an incredible rally coming up. If you want to learn more about this, defendapatriot.com is where you can learn a whole lot more. Hey, can you guys skip the break real quick? All right, they're going to go ahead and skip the break. Former FBI agent, he's a thug, really, in my opinion, Robert F. Cesario, who destroyed evidence predictably avoids prison. What a disgrace. Uh, to come on the radio with us and talk about this uh, is a lady who attended the rally. She's kind of an expert in keeping up on this case. Her name is Connie Davies. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, Connie. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. You're very welcome. Let's learn a little bit about you. Who are you first, and how did you get involved? <laughs> well, you mentioned Patty Stockman. She and Steve are the reason I got involved with this, because I met uh, Patty uh, several years ago in North Carolina on a bus tour for Republican uh, Wives. We were uh, hosting a, a bus tour to support a candidate. Patty happened to be in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time um, that I was there, and we met up. She told me about Steve. Um and um, I went to bat for Steve, 
in his case, um, I um, was able to get information to uh, Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows got it to the president. We got the commutation for uh, Steve Stockman, so he's out of prison now. But in in that's the short version, obviously. But um, through that, uh, Steve told me about John Woods. Um, and now let's stop there real quick, so everybody understands. Steve tells me the story that he met John Woods in prison. Uh, John learned about Steve's right. story, and Steve learned about John's story at that time, right? Exactly. All right, and, go ahead. Uh, charges that were brought, yeah, the charges brought against each one of those um, gentlemen were very similar in nature. Um, and I think it's very interesting, you've mentioned this uh, also, um, that one one common denominator between the two of them, or several common denominators, they're very uh, strong uh, advocates for the right. Uh, both were um, supporters, have been supporters of Donald Trump. Um, both uh, are against corruption um, and were doing outstanding jobs in their respective positions, um, their official positions, and um, were targeted. We don't know exactly why they came after John Wood specifically, but um, you know it's kind of an interesting part of the story that he was the first and only public official in the state of Arkansas to endorse Donald Trump in the presidential primary. So that lets you know what kind of person he was. Um, so nonetheless, Steve told me about John. They had compared notes, of course, and uh, Steve was very concerned about what was going on with John. John um, was given an 18-month, excuse me, 18-year, four-month sentence for supposedly um, taking um, kickbacks for money that he got for a school in Arkansas. Um, so anyway, that that's the short version of the, a very long story. <laughs> Right now, what's interesting about this story is John uh, was literally framed by this FBI mm-hmm. agent. Uh, this FBI agent literally deleted uh, the hard drive so that nobody could get the real facts right. in the story, thus leading to That's the right. conviction. And I guess I don't understand mm-hmm. how they stick with his conviction and then how they give this FBI <laughs> agent no jail time, but this Congress, I'm sorry, this senator from Arkansas. Uh, sits in prison for 18 years, even though they knew, yes. even when they convicted John, uh, that this agent yes. had done this. Somehow, this is beyond a miscarriage of justice. Yes. Um, yes. We, we don't what do they What do they say to defend themselves, though? What does the judge What does the judge say in this case? What I don't understand even the rationale uh, at this point. It's so egregious. None of us understand the rationale. Let me go back on this this story just a little bit. Um, the evidence that there was a computer involved in the case of John Woods came up in a pretrial hearing. Before John even went to trial, this came up in a pretrial hearing uh, with uh, District Judge Timothy Brooks from Arkansas. Uh, they knew that there was a computer involved, that there was information on the computer. Uh, and this came up in um, discovery pre-trial hearing, uh, Robert Cesario was asked, even asked to turn the computer in for forensic examination. Now, this is something that, that's not focused on a whole lot, but look at what this FBI agent did. He was involved in an investigation. He had information on his computer. Um, he uh, was told to submit it for forensic examination for the John Woods trial. He destroyed the evidence. He actually took it to a computer specialist um, and had it, the, the hard drive destroyed. 
and then did it again himself uh, after being told. So to me, that's contempt. Then when the judge asked him why he did what he did, he gave some very flimsy excuses that Judge Brooks did not think was credible excuse. And then, of course, the evidence on the computer is gone. So this FBI agent did many illegal acts. He's a criminal. I'll just say it straight. He's a criminal because as an FBI agent, he obviously should know. We all understand and know, as the common citizen knows, that FBI agents and anybody working for the federal government has taken an oath to uphold the law of the land. And and the reason why, you know, a penalty should be strict on them is because they have the power to do a lot of damage in somebody's life if they do not do their job lawfully. He obviously did not do his job lawfully. And the law says, and in his plea agreement, it, it was spelled out very plain that penalty for this kind of behavior could be uh, 20 years in prison because the severity of the crime and then because of his position as a law enforcement officer. And so we obviously were very interested in seeing what was going to happen. Of course, he did take a plea deal back in uh, August. He um, um, admitted that he did. And let me read let me read to your audience exactly what he said. And this is in his, this is a legal document. Okay, this is not my opinion. This is not anything that's been altered. This is exactly what is in the court document. He says, "This is Cesario." Hold on, hold I on. Just so, yeah, when you say he, we're talking about this criminal. Thug Cesario, FBI yes. agent Robert F. Cesario. Right. Go ahead. Right. He said in his, his statement, I erased the contents of the computer hard drive knowing that the court had ordered that the computer be submitted for a forensic examination. I did so with the intention of making the contents of the computer's hard drive unavailable for forensic examination. At the time, I knew that the contents of the, of the hard drive were relevant to an official proceeding. That is cause number 517-CR-510, United States versus Wood et al. I corruptly performed and had performed the erasers with intent to impair the integrity and availability of the computer hard drive and its contents for use in that official proceeding. Now that it does not get any does not get any clearer than that. He admitted that he corruptly performed this action, knowing that it was had been uh, asked for in the court. And so then, when the judge asked him why he did it, he claims that he had information on that computer having to do with some medical records that he did not want to be disclosed. Now the the prosecutor in that original case said, you know, that is like burning the house down because you don't like the drapes. I mean, how extreme were his actions? So, and this is, this is so interesting to look at all of these documents, and I'm so grateful we have somebody on the ground here in Arkansas who is keeping up with what's going on in the court, because this is, this is out of my expertise for sure. I'm an American government teacher, but I do understand the basic concepts of the Constitution and the, the rule of law. Um, so, but uh, she was able to um, get for us the um, filing that came from the government um, th- that they issued uh, going into this trial with Cesario. Um, it wasn't a trial, excuse me, a sentencing of Cesario yesterday. The statement the government says, this to me is 
unbelievable. The government has no evidence suggesting that the defendant had any reason for wiping the computer other than his express one, which was to remove sensitive personal and family information on the computer. Interesting, when you look at the plea from Robert Cesario, he doesn't mention anything about his medical records being on the computer. And the government is saying there's no evidence suggesting that he had any other reason for doing it other than the fact there was information on the computer. And then get get this, the defendant, that the defendant had any motive to impede the public corruption prosecution grander than making one piece of evidence, the computer unavailable for the use in the prosecution. Now, think about this, Sam. I mean, I think you probably see it pretty clear as I'm talking about it. First, they say there's no evidence. Go back and look at what he himself admitted to in his plea, that he did it with the intent to impair the integrity of the case against John Wood. Well, at the least, at the least, this should create a mistrial. At the least, this should create a mistrial for the Arkansas senator, and he should go free. But secondarily, not only did you abuse a citizen in a government official capacity, but you've now also thumbed your nose at the court, at the system, at the rule of law. At okay, And there should be prosecutions secondarily, not even counting what was done to this individual, but what was done to the court, exactly. to our system. Exactly. I mean, I can keep going. Exactly. Uh, Dr. Bradley, do you want to jump in here? Wow. It's just I'm appalled, shocked, and chagrined to coin the term. Uh, this, uh, you know, this is it shows you how people get Arkansas you know the, where the term is uh, has been wow, uh, good point. You know, coined. This this is so corrupt. Arkansas needs a comeuppance. I think it'll come at some point. But there's a, a mistrial, a retrial. This thing with the officer. I, I'd like to know what the FBI agent got his hand slapped with. But honestly, uh, coined, to use the term from the old 1971 Billy Jack movie, when the law breaks the law, there is no law. That this has put everything into complete. Uh, question, doubt. It's something that uh, should be set aside and justice should be brought about. My opinion about the FBI agent, I, again, I'm interested in what kind of penalty was invoked upon this individual. We'll but talk this about that. We'll talk about the rally after the break as well, doctor. Okay, well, I'm, I'm telling you, this, this guy should be locked up. Uh, there should be, if you will, a warning shot across the bow of every other agent, yes. police officer, or whomever. Yes. A 30-year sentence would be uh, nothing in comparison. You say, well, the guy screwed up. No, he did this knowingly without any, and he was an individual that should know everything about the rules of the evidence. And and you want to know why he did it, doctor? Because he knew the repercussions would be no big deal, even if he got caught. That's right. Arkansas, for those that that don't go along with uh, with the establishment, and then uh, probably future accolades and and emoluments and offices for those that go along with the establishment. So this is a, a complete miscarriage of justice. I'm absolutely appalled, shocked, and chagrined, as I said. I do want to hear what his penalty was so I can even right, be more come appalled, back. shocked, and chagrined. We're going to come back. We're going to do okay. that. We're going to talk about the rally that Connie was able to attend as well. But, ladies and gentlemen, former FBI, I call him Thug, Robert F. Cesario, who destroyed evidence predictably avoids prison. You know that much already. What a disgrace and what a message we're sending. 
Our prayers are with John Woods. Quick pause, Connie Davies, Dr. Bradley, and yours truly in seconds on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. Football player DeMar Hamlin is off the resuscitator and breathing on his own. Friday marks two years since the January 6 occupation of the U.S. Capitol. Former Capitol Police Officer Michael Fanone on CNN. Individuals through the criminal justice system that participated in the attack. You know, Donald Trump is still walking around a free man. Five people died tied to the January 6 event. I'm frustrated at the uh, lack of accountability. Of those that died, one unarmed woman was shot and killed at nearly point-blank range by Capitol Police Officer Lieutenant Michael Byrd. He's never faced charges. Another died of a drug overdose, and three died of natural causes. Evidence against the man accused of killing four college students in Idaho last month is being brought to light now that the suspect has been returned to the gem state. DNA found on a knife sheath at the scene of the Idaho murders is what helped lead to the suspect being arrested. That's according to the arrest affidavit. The document revealed authorities were on the hunt for Brian Koberger less than two weeks after the four University of Idaho students were killed. I'm Dave Collins. Representative Kevin McCarthy has been negotiating with Republicans offering fresh concessions to win support for House Speaker, yet no deal in the GOP-controlled chamber after a third day of voting. After millions of illegal immigrants have been allowed into the country by the Biden administration and the commander-in-chief stopping all progress on the southern border wall, leaving America vulnerable, the president announced Thursday he will visit the border in El Paso, Texas. I will visit the border myself this Sunday in El Paso to assess border enforcement operations, meet with the local officials and community leaders, and the folks at the border sending me what they need that they don't have. Thanks for listening, and a TGIF to you, my friend. This is USA News. Like bones, your teeth lose density and become weaker over time, which can lead to tooth decay. And that can make your visit to the dentist feel like this. But if you want your dental visit to feel like this, try Crest Densify. Crest Densify actively rebuilds tooth density to extend the life of teeth by remineralizing enamel. Densify from Crest, the number one toothpaste brand in America. Smile, Crest has you covered. Have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store? But then when you go to use it, it's not very absorbent? That's why MyPillow has developed the MyPillow towels. Towels that work. The six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. And right now you can receive a six-piece set for only $39.98 with promo code USA. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special, and enter promo code USA. Or call 800-951-8175. That's MyPillow.com, promo code USA. All right, live it on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about this horrible, egregious situation where an FBI agent literally framed a patriot. Yeah, the patriot is former Arkansas State Senator John Woods. And I don't know why they did this to him. Uh, I don't know why they did what they did to Steve Stockman, except for these people are patriots, and they um, stand against the status quo. 
Uh, and in this case, John Woods was a Trump supporter. Maybe that had something to do with it. Who knows? But the bottom line is this FBI agent literally destroyed evidence, knowingly, willingly, intentionally, not caring what the courts thought, not caring about anybody. He then pled guilty as he got caught to destroying the evidence to frame someone. And now this thug, this FBI agent's a former agent. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but he's now out of the bureau, which is a good thing. But the problem is, is getting out of the bureau, was that his kind of way of saying, you know, I'm not even there anymore, so let me go? Who knows? But this guy's a thug. Robert F. Cesario, who destroyed evidence predictively, avoids any prison time. This is a disgrace. Connie Davies with us to explain more about this. She attended the rally. She's keeping up on the case. They're documenting the details that we learn on defendapatriot.com. Now, that's Steve Stockman's site. We used that to defend Steve when it was needful. Now we're using this to defend uh, John Woods and get the information out. But, Connie, let's start there then. Um, really just a slap on the wrist is all. Is that all there is? Yeah, and, and Sam, Sam, let me share the, what, the, the, what I was getting ready to share as, as well. What the government said that he did was destroy, that the, they destroyed one piece of evidence, the computer, that was made unavailable in the prosecution. This is, this is the government's statement. First they said he didn't have evidence. Then they said there was only, after all, there was only one piece of evidence destroyed. They, and they mentioned the computer. The computer was not the evidence. The computer held the evidence. The, yeah, the, the point, the point, is, there, the point is there's tons of evidential proof on that tons. drive. It could be 50 things, but they're just going, oh, it was just a computer. It was just one little thing, no big deal. But the reality that, is exactly it could right. be dozens of evidential facts, dozens of details exactly. that could change the game, hundreds of examples exactly. and information that could uh, prove he did this maybe to other people along the way who exactly. knows how big this becomes exactly. and they're minimizing it by exactly. their very defensive statement is your point and agreed exactly that's my point so then let's go back robert cesario in his sentencing memorandum that he sent to the court um said that he, he was asking for one year unsupervised probation that's what he was asking for and his justification for getting a life sentence get this he used the Kevin Kleinsmith story, the Kevin Kleinsmith uh, case, where Kevin Kleinsmith, of course, was one of the FBI agents that, um, you know, worked on an email having to do with the, the Russia hoax. Um, evidently, that's what he got. Well, his sentence was was one year probation. Uh, the other FBI agent that he used, as is an example, uh, precedent for his case, was a William Don Tisabe, who also tampered with evidence in the case that he was investigating. Okay, so what this tells us, and I've talked to Patty about this as well, what this is showing us, this is a common practice among FBI agents, tampering with evidence, destroying evidence. Uh, it's interesting that so many of these, these cases that we have questions about, there's a computer involved in the problem, and, and, and they you give us this excuse that they, it's no longer available. You know, we didn't feel that it was needed. I mean, who is, who's to say? Unless the evidence, all the evidence comes up in a court of law relating to a particular case, we cannot expect justice. We've got to have all the evidence on the table. So when he asked for this sentence, this one-year unsupervised probation, the government came back and said, well, no, we feel that, you know, he needs to be on probation, but he does need to be supervised. That was it. 
So if you compare what the law requires or what doesn't require, but the law suggests up to 20 years in prison, and then you look at what they're asking, there's no there's 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 nothing to compare here. I mean, really, 20 years, and he's asking for one year unsupervised probation. We knew going into this that he was probably going to get a life sentence. Um, and so we came um, to Arkansas. There was a group of us that met on the courthouse steps. We were very uh, grateful that the local news media here in Arkansas was interested in this story. They showed up. They interviewed us. Uh, and a lot of the reporting that went out was, was pretty fair. It was good. I mean, they, they're beginning to suspect some things are wrong here. When you look at what Robert Cesario did and then what he was asking for his punishment, it raises questions in anyone's mind, what is going on here? So we were there um, on Tuesday. Um, we, we started making news all over Arkansas. And then by yesterday, we had some other national uh, outlets begin to pick up the story and put it out there. So we feel that much of our purpose wasn't, well, we were, we were hoping that we would be able to um, get the judge to look at this. I sent a, a letter personally outlining some of my concerns the family sent a letter to the judge outlining their concerns. Uh, the, the lady that I told you about here in Arkansas that is keeping up with um, much of the court filings and that sort of thing had a very strong argument that she sent into the judge. We were hoping that we would have some impact. Seems like we may have had a little bit because what the judge actually decided on, still not near enough, three years probation with the first six months being um, home confinement, and then a $25,000 fine. That was it. Now, now, wait a minute, just for a second. Let me just say, uh, most of this nation spent six months home consign consignment plus with, this, with exactly. this pandemic. Here we have a complete miscarriage of justice. Here we have the judge, the prosecutor, the defense attorney in collusion Again, the uh, the corruption that's readily apparent in this kind of thing, I, I think that uh, we need to continue to open doors in terms of uh, revisiting the conviction of this individual that was convicted based upon false premises, and in fact, no evidence right. actually, and, and right. uh, that needs that battle needs to continue to get that revisited and justice brought about there, and ultimately and finally. That individual needs to be compensated for all the time they spent in confinement. This uh, this uh, FBI agent should have been made a an example. And as you point out, there I are agree. many other go good examples of bad examples of uh, of how mm -hmm. this has been handled in the past. I mean, this shades of uh, Hillary Clinton smashing her uh, hard drives mm -hmm. and her uh, her uh, cell phone. Hey. You Sam bring cards. up Hillary Clinton. You ready for this? Well, they're Arkansas. Yeah, ahead, Columbia, Columbia University has just asked Hillary Clinton to join the teaching staff as a professor and what's called a presidential fellow. Hillary to join Columbia as a professor of, quote, global politics. Clinton announced on Thursday she's accepted <laughs> and she will teach courses on international public affairs so she gets a job uh, and here's my statement on the whole thing dr bradley to make your wise point regardless of facts criminal gov officials go free 
American patriots go directly to prison. That's what we're seeing here, Dr. Bradley. Well, you know, there's tens of thousands of examples, sadly. I mean, the lowest learners of the world that held position in the IRS that deep-sixed any efforts by someone that was principles-based to get what they really needed and should have been granted without any question. Uh, This whole process, it's like the sole management of the government is held in the hands of, of a corrupt few. And again... It's time that the we the people recognized how deeply flawed our system is. Now, I don't know as Arkansas is any worse uh, in terms of its flawed system and the good old boys networks and the corruption and everything than Utah is. In fact, I I think I could match Utah's corruption, although they wear white shirts and ties in Utah and seem to be ostensibly good. I think that there are so many people now that the people need to say, no more. We're done. I'm sure glad you're going off to Utah and leaving my state alone. I sure appreciate that. Uh, Connie, what on <laughs> earth are we going to do about this thing? This is insane. Yes, I know. I know. It was very difficult to sit there yesterday and watch uh, truth fall. It's falling in the streets, and now it's falling in the courtrooms. It doesn't seem that truth matters anymore uh, when it comes to uh, our system of government. Um the rule of law has been thrown out the window, and uh, citizens are the victim. And, you know, one of the things that I expressed, we were talking about the loss. You know, uh, we were talking to one of the family members about possibly even um, submitting a, a victim impact um, statement to the court. And we were, we were talking about all that has been lost in this situation with this, this one individual and his family. And, you know, when you talk about the, what's been lost, what's, what's being lost in all of this is the confidence and the trust of the American people in our system of government. We don't have, the, we don't have any trust or faith in that anymore. And what is that doing to our society when we, the most uh, citizens believe that the, uh, the government's the enemy? Hang what tight. Do do? Hang tight. It's a very interesting, valid question from Connie Davies on your radio. Hey, Dr. Bradley. Yes, sir. Should I have, I'll have this statement in our notes. Scott and Sam have an educational discussion about the realities of the speakership. How about that? Well, I think so. And, and honestly, um, the exchange of ideas, I think, is very positive because I agree. we need to get people thinking again. I mean, just because you have one point and I have another point, we're not trying to... to you know, shoot each other down. The idea is people need to start thinking again. We need yes, to say, sure. holy cow, uh, we got to connect the dots. Here's what is at stake, and here we go off on a tangent or, or not. What are the consequences of this, unintended consequences? By the way, I, I'm still going through the uh, Freedom Index, and this Hakeem Jeffries, he's a 19 percenter, the 19 percenter on that. That's, that shows you the kind of quality they're offering. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and the sad part is that's who has the most votes, that and McCarthy so far. But I don't think they put up anybody even viable in the first place. I agree with you on that point. By the way, Bobart and uh, uh, Green, in spite of all of this, the slandering that's happened in the mainstream media, these guys are well above 90%, 96%, 97%. So, I mean, here we are, some rookie women that are in there that are standing tall in terms of 
the, the measurement tool they're being measured against. And the measurement tool is great. It's just not perfect. That's the point. So when we get above the 98%, 97 we got a question. But all right, hang tight. We're ready. All right, yeah. we're up. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, whether we know it or not, welcome to the broadcast. <laughs> Dr. Scott Bradley with me. So just so you know, we're, we're debating these healthy dialogues in America, and I think they're really valuable. And I was mentioning, you know, Scott and Sam have an educational discussion about the realities of the speakership. And Dr. Bradley's right about this. You know what? Even though we have different points, we're thinking about it from different angles. It's very valuable for me to hear Scott Bradley's educational viewpoint and angle. It's very healthy for Dr. Bradley to hear my educated, well-thought-out angle. We're not at odds over this, folks. Not one bit. We're discussing it. We're learning from each other's thoughts. And we're like, wow, I didn't think about that. Well, that's a good point. Wow. How? In the real end of the day, what's the best way forward is the real discussion. What's hey, Sam, the best me... way to remedy the situations that we're in? Um, it's a digression from our topic, but go ahead, doctor. Well, here's, here's something that uh, Americans need to relearn. The American founding fathers met in taverns oftentimes. There were a lot of, uh, you know, places that, that, you know, gathered. But they'd sit around and they'd talk about what about this or what about that. I mean, they had discussions about, um, you know, these committees of safety that, that took issues regarding liberty out. They discussed it in public meetings. These kinds of things were debated and discussed. We did not have a woke crowd in those days. What we had was individuals who were genuinely interested in preserving liberty or sometime, somehow gaining it. And the point of the matter is that that these were, these were intelligent individuals who were exchanging ideas. Amen. They needed to come to a good solution, and they were willing to hear the other side. The debates and discussions that went on in the Constitution Convention were sometimes very pointed, but the fact was these points needed to be aired in order Amen. for the people to come to a conclusion. And, and, and we I'm don't not do trying to put America. us in the position of the founding fathers, but I am trying to say we're huh. trying to do the same, doctor. Right. But here's the deal. We don't do that anymore. You have a conflicting viewpoint in a college society. Class. We don't do that anymore. Sam and Scott do it all the no. time, people. You don't you get shut down. <laughs> I mean, it's not You're politically right. correct, whatever. And it's like we're fools to think Amen. that if we do that, we're going to come to a good conclusion. So and anyway, 
as we go back to the topic at hand, I asked Connie Davies right before the break, what do we do? I mean, I don't want to be anti-government, folks. I don't want to hate on my government. Uh, but you know what? When you got FBI agents who get off scot-free virtually, and their, their reason that they should get off scot-free is because, well, all my colleagues did it and got off scot-free too. Are you kidding me, Connie? Well, you know, Sam, um, I've got very strong convictions. I'm a Christian, and my faith and trust has to be in God to show us what to do. Um, Amen. You know, um, and we're not going to stop fighting because this is this, and this is not a Democrat Republican. This is good and evil. This is truth and lies. These are the foundations of our nation. And I think part of the problem has been that Americans. Uh, for too long, they've taken um, for granted our freedoms, and they've gotten out of the uh, out of the debate, so to speak. They've gotten uh, off the, the the playing field, and uh, they just kind of b- believed that government was going to run on automatic, without any requirements on their part. I mean, I'm an American government teacher. I feel like the the my job as a teacher is to equip my students to understand the basic laws of the land, to understand what their responsibilities are as uh, citizens of America, and it's not just to vote is to participate in the process and to give them the tools they need so that they can do that effectively and possibly make change. Um, we, we have, a, we have uh, generations now that know very little about the government, and just because somebody wears a badge, they think that um, you know, they can tell us how to live our lives. Um, I reminded, and I, and I share this with my students, I start my government classes out by talking about the Apostle Paul in the Book of Acts. And when, uh, you know, he was doing good things. I mean, he was out preaching the gospel and he was out, um, you know, helping people. They arrested him, put him in prison, and they were, you know, getting ready to beat him uh, to death. And he said, you're doing this to a Roman citizen? Well, you know, he knew what his rights were as a Roman citizen, and they didn't do it. But if we don't stand up and have a voice and we allow this evil to take over, uh, you know, Edwin Burke said the only way for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Um, you know, part of what I'm doing, and every time I talk about the Woods case, is try to motivate people out there to do something. Pray, first of all, pray, because God is the God of the universe. He's the chief judge, right? And he's who I'm going to have to stand in front of one day. Everyone will. And we're not getting away with anything um, in, in the long run. But, you know, I can't tell you what to do. People need to pray and ask God, what is my place? Um, and, and again, I, many times I use the analogy of Nehemiah when he was building that wall. He had people positioned all around the wall. And one thing that I've learned through this uh, experience is that there are people all over our country that are in their allotted places. Some of these podcasters, some of these uh, uh, news writers, um, grandmas, grandpas, uh, you know, parents that are in their places. Um, trying to build a wall of security, and um, we, we need to we need to 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 do what God put it put in our heart to do in our respective places, and then when God does, you know, uh, blow the trumpet so to speak, like happened in Arkansas uh, this week, we left our place on the wall in North Carolina. I didn't teach this week in my classes uh, because I felt this was important. Not that Amen. my class isn't important. I you know. I want to go back, but at the same time, we're fighting for our country right now. And I told John Woods, I said, you know, this, yeah. I was going to say, your point of being in your place, according to God, is the real key to the exercise in what we should do. Dr. Bradley, what a poignant 
uh, position she's taking. What a, a reality from the scriptures to kind of make the point. We need to know our rights, as Paul did. We need to stand nobly, boldly, independently. And you know what? I'm in my place to educate, educate. When there's enough Americans to truly make our stand, uh, we shall. Uh, and so the Lord is preparing a people for his return. And you know what? There's hiccups along the way, but we're only responsible for what we as individuals choose to do. I'm responsible for Sam. Uh, Dr. Bradley is responsible for Scott and, and, and so on. Connie's re- this is the point, Dr. Bradley. Well, I take my hat off to her for uh, leaving uh, across multiple state lines. I mean, she went out of her way to try and stand up for liberty and justice. And uh, we, we need more and more people to do that. We need more and more people to be friends of, of the correct principles the nation was founded on. We don't have near enough friends right now. I'm absolutely assured in my mind that uh, ultimately and finally justice will be done. And uh, I, I would like it to be done in mortality. Uh, this waiting for immortality is a long wait yes. sometimes for some of us. But um, yeah. no doubt. I, I just, um, we got to keep pitching. And, and it is our time. You know, in the times past, people crossed oceans to get a, a breath of fresh air of liberty. You know, they came from the uh, atrocious conditions of Europe that had all of the religious liberties con- crushed. We came, they came here to America to worship God according to the dictates of their conscience. They crossed the plains right. they left and went into frontiers. There aren't any more of those places to go. We've got to be like Paul, as you mentioned, where he said, oh, wait, 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 I'm a Roman. I got rights. And, uh, and we as Americans have these individual God-given rights that have been, they weren't created by government. They were recognized by government right. when we founded this nation. And so when this nation came together, it came out of the Holy Scriptures. This idea, these concepts, they were canonized into our founding documents. And we the people need to go back and understand what is recognized there and stop this you know, idea, I mentioned, you know, that we were all put under house arrest, and it went for more than six months. Mm-hmm. No no due process, no habeas corpus, completely pretended law. There was nothing in the law that said this or that or the other. There was no uh, judicial review. There was nothing. And this guy gets basically that for his penalty for absolutely being complicit in destroying the foundational principles of liberty. One man is in prison, at least one man. There may be dozens more that are in prison Mm -hmm. because of what this man did. There needs to be a higher penalty. And this man ultimately and finally, he's kind of like the the sniper that that killed people at Ruby Ridge and the guy that killed people at, uh, you know, at Waco. Here's a guy that's a trigger man. And he needs to be held at a higher level of competency because he was in a position that he abused his position of authority. And Hillary Clinton should have been. That's I right. mean, holy cow. We've got to get we've got to get back on track, but it's gonna take a whole bunch more friends of liberty before I suspect we're gonna make some real inroads. Amen to Doctor Bradley. Connie, the final words yours. Okay, well, we will stay in the fight. We're not quitting. Uh, we don't take no for an answer. Uh, we, uh, it's always too soon to quit. So for your viewers, if you want to know more of what's going on, I would like to refer them to um, our website. It's defendapatriot.com. Uh, we'll be posting things as they develop. Uh, I would ask your viewers to please pray for us to, to have the wisdom of God, the favor of God, and the protection of God as we pursue um, freedom for, for John Woods 
but also as all of us take our places uh, on the wall to defend uh, our God-given rights. Amen. Connie, what I want you to do, you have my email address. Uh, I can give you my phone yes. number as well, but I want you to keep me posted as this case unfolds. We want to follow it just as we did Steve's case, and we will continue to follow it. Uh, defendapatriot.com is where you can get more information. But please keep me posted, and we'll have you back for updates as this goes on. Because, look, folks, we can't let this stand. He literally committed criminal acts. The problem is John's still in prison, people. Okay, right. The thug that committed these crimes runs around free. Uh, they say that he's going to have to be in house arrest or whatever, but we know, um, you know, hey, they don't they don't make harsh sentences for these people. It's very easy on them. Pretty soon we'll find out some government agency uh, put away for uh, you know him to have a gopher to run and get groceries and beer and whatever the guy wants, right? Kind of a thing while he's supposedly on house arrest or house lockdown. This is a disgrace, folks. We've got to get John free. Number one, and number two, we need increased accountability. His only excuse was, "Yes, I did it, and I was wrong, and I intentionally did it." But by golly, so did all my colleagues. They've done it too. Well, all that does is expose the whole thing to the reality of these criminals walk free while patriots go to prison. We have got to keep this in focus. The American people need to wake up and stand, or next it might be you. Because, of course, you weren't a Jew, right? So uh, I'm not counting the Jews. I'm just saying when they came for anybody, now there's no one to defend us when they come for us is the point of the matter. Dr. Scott Bradley, thank you. FreedomsRisingSun.com, his website. Connie Davies, thank you. DefendAPatriot.com is the website to keep up on that. We'll have you back soon. I am Sam Bushman. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, nationally syndicated, hard-hitting talk show. LibertyRoundtable.com and LovingLiberty.net. We the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, can and will restore America. After all, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the republic of the United States of America.